Welcome to Connecting the Dollars, a personal finance podcast. I'm Emily Augusto, a CPA and financial advisor. And I'm Amanda Vaught, attorney and financial advisor. Both Emily and I are co-owners at Propel Financial Advisors. Propel Financial Advisors is an investment management and financial planning company. We are fee-only fiduciaries and independent registered investment advisors. I'm based in Chicago and Amanda is in New York City, but we work with clients nationwide. The purpose of our podcast is to explore personal finance topics, including budgeting, investing, behavioral finance, current events, and other helpful information. We also hope you'll get to know us along the way. Thanks for listening. Hello, Amanda. Hey, Emily. Welcome to February. We are just getting into tax season here, and February is also Black History Month. Yeah, so for Black History Month, I always love to read a a book. I I like history, and um, I've been doing it for a while, but this year I thought I should read something that's more personal finance related. So I found a book. It's called Black Fortunes. It came out uh, a couple years ago, um, and it's the stories of the first six African-Americans who um, were millionaires. And so this is in the, the 1800s, right? And so a lot of the, the people in the book were either born into slavery or this was um, slightly after this the Civil War. And so if you think about what could Black Americans do at the time, there was not a lot of opportunities to make mm-hmm. any money, really, or very minimal. And so how did these people make amass these fortunes? And and it's just really interesting stories about how they did it. I mean, most of them, it was through entrepreneurship. Um, most of them, you know, had no formal education, were illiterate, had very traumatic events in their lives, minimal family support just because of the slavery system breaking apart their families. Um, and so you think those are all circumstances that would really hold people back from making money, but the, it didn't hold these people back. So it was really interesting uh, how they did it and and really what they went through t- to do it. I do think that one of the takeaways from it that we think of today is if you're a millionaire, you think, oh, that gives you some kind of financial freedom. Um, but for them, it didn't necessarily, it almost made them targets when people found out that they had a lot of money. They were targeted with violence or smeared in the press or, or that type of thing. Um, interesting. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Um, and it was really well written and it was maybe like 250 pages or something. So not too long, but long enough where you got like a really good idea of, of these people's lives. Nice. Yeah. So I'd recommend it. If anybody out there reads it, I'd love to hear what you think. Uh, Please let us, please let us know. Yeah. Or if you have another recommendation for a book about a topic celebrating Black history, we'd love to hear that suggestion as well. Oh yeah, for sure. And so like Emily said, February is Black History Month, but it's also the start of our favorite time of year, tax season. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, my favorite time. Uh, Yeah. And so as you may or may not know, Emily is our CPA and she's helps a lot of people with their tax returns. So um, I don't know, Emily, what do you think when people first hire you or another tax professional, what do you think is one thing that they think is going to happen that may or may not? Yeah. So I think that a common misconception when someone hires a tax preparer, they automatically think that they're going to have a greater refund or 
going to somehow make their liability disappear. And while we do have access to potentially more tools and, you know, since we're always doing research and learning about the ever-changing tax laws, we probably do have a little more insight into certain credits or whatnot that might be applicable to a person, but there's no guarantee that we will be able to find something that you can take advantage of. So I think the best benefit or the greatest benefit of hiring a tax preparer, someone you work with every year, is that in the event you do owe a lot of money or you're getting a huge refund, you can work on tax planning throughout the year so that you end up in a better place when April rolls around. Who doesn't want that? Yeah. And then uh, I usually, the past few years, there have been big major changes to the tax code. But this year, one of the changes was the child tax credit. That was probably the major one that if you do have dependent children, you got that credit in advance. You think that's going to throw people for a loop this year, Emily? Potentially. Yeah. So previously you would receive your child tax credit on your tax return when you filed, but in 2021, the uh, rules changed and people started receiving checks in, I believe it was in July for a portion of their child tax credit in advance. So if you were in previous years receiving a refund due to the child tax credit, now you've already received that credit in advance. So that could change your the result on your tax return. And that becomes a big problem if you typically get a refund and you're used to using that refund to pay a specific bill like your property taxes or to pay down some debt and you're relying on that that and you're not going to receive it this year that's really going to throw your personal finances for a loop yeah and that nobody wants to pay their property tax bill late right exactly um yeah and so that's another issue right with the irs lately is that they're all backed up either from Mm -hmm. those legal changes or people in the IRS working from home or for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. funding cuts, they're they're just really backed up. Um, And a lot of people who are due to have refunds have been seeing significant delays. Um, And so if you do need the money by a certain date, you can't necessarily count on that either, right? Right. It's um, usually better to have the money up front instead of waiting for the IRS to, you know, do their calculations, run everything through their system, and then send you your check or direct deposit. Yeah. Yeah. And and then hopefully you do get direct deposit because if you are requesting a check, it is just going to take longer to process, right? Absolutely. Weeks and weeks, maybe months. Yeah. Okay, Emily. So say we do um, get our first draft of our tax return done and we see we are expecting a refund. What do you think is one of the, the first things somebody should do? The first thing that someone should do is do some tax planning. Oh, okay. So what What do you mean by tax planning? Yes, tax planning is super important and something that gets overlooked a lot. Um, We do a ton of it. It's something we do throughout the year with our clients. And it's basically just adjusting your withholdings for the circumstances in your life. Like if your job has changed or if you buy a new house or sell a house or have a child. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, all of those things affect your taxes. Oh, okay. And so what if... um say you're already retired and you're not getting a paycheck. Yeah, if you're someone who doesn't receive a regular paycheck uh, and a W-2 at the end of the year, then it's important to plan for taxes and pay estimated taxes 
every quarter. Um, for certain retirees, I know for some types of retirement accounts, you can add withholding or have withholding taken out of any distributions you're taking from your accounts. Um, but if that's not an option or if it's for whatever reason not feasible, then you need to be doing the calculations on your own or with uh, a tax preparer, tax planner in order to come up with the correct amount to pay. Oh, okay. And that sounds like that would be a similar to somebody who's a freelancer or or consultant or somebody paid by 1099 to do exactly. the quarterly calculations, right? Yep. And you know, since we don't really cover it, but what do you think is the first thing you should do if you have oh tax? It's similar uh, tax planning, right? Exactly. My same answer would be tax planning, um, because you may not be withholding enough, or perhaps your calculations you're using are outdated. Um, it could be a number of different things, but definitely talk to someone. If you owe thousands of dollars or you're getting thousands of dollars back, there's something you can do about it. You don't just have to accept it. Yeah. Yeah, but you will have to pay the IRS. Yes, you know. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's <laughs> and, true. And don't kill the messenger, right, Emily? <laughs> yes, I don't yes. like paying taxes as much as everyone else doesn't like paying taxes. It's yeah. just part of the part of the deal. Part of life. Yep. Okay. If we do end up getting a tax refund this year, what do you think is the best way to think about what we should do with our our refund funds? Yes. Yeah, so if you're if you receive or are expecting a large refund this year, um, we thought it would be interesting to take a look at how to spend or save that based on the four different money personalities. Um, so Amanda has a blog post on our website, which I will link in the show notes about the four different money personalities and these are the four normal personalities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they all fall within the range of what's considered normal by psychologists. We are not psychologists. This is no. just what we what we have read. Um, but um, things that would be considered not normal might be um, disorders around spending or um, gambling addiction. Those types of things are outside of what we're talking about today. These are all just the normal type of personalities we see in the United States towards money. Yeah, so there's pros and cons to each type of money personality. There's a quiz you can take to see which one or which few you align with. Yeah, they, most people usually, they tend to have two. Yes. Um, there tends to be some overlap between these different ones. So it's not an all or nothing type of thing. Exactly. So let's see. So the first one is what's called money worship. And so this is a type of personality or, or person who believes that money will magically improve your life or that money is going to solve your problems. Um, the positive side to this is that these people tend to be ambitious or um, a negative side is that um, you tend to have a tendency to overspend or become attached to stuff or like material goods. Mm -hmm. um, so it, if you recognize that type of personality in yourself, um, what do you think you would tell somebody with, with money worship, Emily? Yeah, so if you are someone who identifies with the money worship personality, that actually was one of my high scores on the quiz, um, and you experience a windfall or like this IRS refund we're talking about, a good thing you can do with it instead of investing in yourself, which you are already doing, is to maybe pay off some debt. If you've accumulated some high interest debt, you might want to use those unexpected funds to pay that off. 
Or on the other hand, something else you can do is to spend money on an experience instead of purchasing actual goods. It might help you get you out of the habit of spending money on things for yourself all the time. Yeah, those sound good. So the second personality we're going to talk about is money avoidance. So this type of personality has, or someone who identifies with this type of personality has a negative association with money. They have beliefs that rich people are greedy, money corrupts, virtue lies in living with less money. Some of the pros of this personality is that they're often very generous. So they give a lot to charity or they may be the person, you know, buying dinner and drinks for friends. But the cons are that they may undervalue themselves and create destructive behaviors like financial behaviors, like not opening your bills, ignoring them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if if you do have money avoidance, then um, something you could do if you get a sudden windfall, you might say, oh, what is this money? What do I do with it? One thing you could do is take that money to invest in yourself um, and spend it on a class uh, or maybe a certificate program that could help to advance your career. Another thing you can do is that you could be in need of an accountability system. Mm -hmm. And so if you do have, this is what I've heard is one good way to help some change some of these bad habits is to say to, you know, a trusted person, like a friend, a spouse, whoever it is say, okay, here's my plan. I know I need to get better about paying my credit card bill on time and say, you know, for the next three months, I have to open my credit card bill and pay it on time And if I don't do it, then take this large sum of money and donate it to this charitable organization that I absolutely cannot stand and would never want them to have any of my money. And just the threat of that and and getting a trusted person who will actually follow through and do that if you don't pay your credit card bill can really um, help spur some positive changes in some of your money habits. Yeah. I know. And then the next one is a nut one called money status. So in money status, that's someone who um, sort of ties their self-worth to their money and they like to have a tendency to show off with their, with their money. So a positive side of this is that you appreciate quality or that you are, have the ability to really enjoy the fruits of your labor. A con can be Uh, sort of a misconception about how wealthy people spend their money or um, a tendency to lie to others, uh, especially loved ones about how much money you have or any money problems that you have. So um, what do you think, Emily? What would you tell someone who tends towards money status personality? Yeah, someone with this habit who comes into a refund or a windfall, I think their focus should be on savings. So in episode seven of our podcast, we went through an entire process of visualizing goals and these should be, these could be savings focused for this type of person. Um, They can also automate their savings. So in this example, receiving a tax refund, you can have it direct deposited to a savings account, or maybe if one spouse is better with the money, have it deposited to an account that they have access to only, and it's you know going to be earmarked for retirement savings or whatnot. Um, so there's a lot you can do with automation there, and I think that would also work for the money avoidant person. Like if you avoid bills, automate your credit cards. Oh yeah, to be for paid sure. On time. Mm-hmm. All right. The fourth and final money personality we're going to go over today is money vigilance. 
So a person with this personality, their habits tend to be all savings focused. Um, they think saving is very important and they believe you must work hard for your money. So those are the pros, you're a great saver and um, these people tend to be wealthier even. But some of the cons associated with this money personality is that they can develop a lot of anxiety around money if they think they don't have enough saved. Um, they can also be secretive about money and probably the biggest con I think is that you might miss out on enjoying life if you are so focused on saving. You may not want to spend money on, you know, just some fun activities with friends, family, or just with yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think sometimes money vigilant people can forget um, what their time is worth too. Yeah. So um, if you say, oh, I don't want to pay a house cleaner, you know, I'll just do it myself so I can save that money. But how much time does that take you to do that? And how much time does it take away that you could be spending with, you know, friends or family instead of doing chores around the house. Mm -hmm. um, so that could be one thing you could spend money on um, is to free up some time for you to do, to have some fun in the moment, have some fun today, um, or to spend some money on yourself. You are more than likely haven't spent a lot of money on yourself and you are probably overdue for something like a facial or a massage or, or, or some activity like that, that you enjoy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's why I think, you know, this gets into, you know, personal finance is personal, right, Emily? Everybody's yeah. different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the quiz that we referred to is a nerd wallet quiz that I will also link in the show notes. Um, and I think it's just really interesting. Gets you thinking about things that you normally wouldn't think about. Or like, why do I think about spending money this way versus why does my spouse think about spending money this way? It can mm -hmm. be a really good exercise, a good way to kind of get on the same page about certain big ticket items or just, just in general, your personal yeah. finance goals. And I think, you know, you can also recognize that for spouses who have different types of money personalities, it's not that your spouse is necessarily wrong. It's just that they have a different approach and a different way of thinking about money. And a lot of our money personalities are sometimes they're called money scripts are formed in childhood. And just telling somebody to do something differently doesn't necessarily work because these are, these are very ingrained things in people. Absolutely. Hopefully people found this helpful. And, and, you know, I think sometimes recognizing some of these things in ourselves can go a long way. For sure. And if you have any questions about this or want some more resources on this topic, you can feel free to reach out to us at connecting the dollars at propel-fa.com. Everything will be linked at connectingthedollars.com as always, and we will talk to you next time. Okay, good luck with your taxes, everyone. For all links and resources mentioned today, head over to connectingthedollars.com. Thank you for listening. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This podcast does not engage in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.